The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. As always, we got Pooty and P Nate in the studio along with our tech wizard, Dave. I love calling him the tech wizard. He is the tech wizard. He's more of a tech sage, though, if you really want to like get technical about it, I think. But anyway, that's okay. How you feeling today? I know we're all feeling a little bit ill. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I, we're a little bit congested here at the Rebel Lights podcast, um, but uh, thankfully, because of the wonderful technology that is known as the internet, which Al Gore invented for us all to enjoy, uh, means that you are enjoying this and not having to be close enough to potentially catch whatever uh, infection we have here. So we're sniffling and sneezing, but we're still here committed to bringing you content, but you are not in danger of catching our cold. That, that's a good thing, even though the listeners probably can't tell that I'm congested because I always sound like I'm congested. Partially, so there's that. Partially. That's true. Anyway, did I ever, have I ever told you that I, I famously predicted that the internet would fail? Yeah. This is, this is the, uh, among the false prophecies of Chris Boots. <laughs> what the <laughs> L- hell luck, book? Luckily, luckily you didn't, uh, you didn't uh, promote it as a, a prophecy, but yeah, I remember I often tell people that uh, famous Chris Poots quote, this internet thing will never catch on. I, I just didn't think people would want to, uh, would want to read from a screen. You know, I thought books, books are what people yeah. like. Yeah. Pulling down the encyclopedia, looking up what yeah. you need, moving on. Apparently people hate books and love the internet. So you're wrong in so many ways. Yeah. I'm glad so often that I'm wrong that it ends up being better than what I thought. I think there's something there. Yeah, there you go. There Look you go. The so here we are. We are the Rebel Alliance Media, and you can find us at rebelalliancemedia.com. You can find us at Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. We'd love for you to follow us there. Uh, we have some friends that we would love to uh, to uh, send you over to, Awakening Reformation Podcast. You can find them on uh, Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we are here uh, just trying to help... In- help equip you to engage culture with a biblical worldview. And so that's part of what we're doing in this episode specifically. But before we do that, we want to jump into Rebel News. So uh, one of the first things that we had, uh, so if you've been a longtime listener of the Rebels, uh, then you have heard us talk about the whole Me Too movement and and how, and, and some of the problems that we think it, it brings up and, and this guilty until proven innocent culture that we live in. And it's, it's quite interesting. You've also, if you've been with us for a while, you've heard us uh, talk about the questionable things that our prime minister, Justin Trudeau, does. And uh, he's a self-proclaimed feminist. And uh, it, it what's really interesting is that in, in this Me Too culture now, uh, some allegations have surfaced against Trudeau. So I just want to I, I want to read to you a uh, a clip from an article on CBC, uh, which is uh, one of the Canadian and it, and it's pretty left. Like the CBC is is pretty liberal. 
Um, and, and this is what this article is saying about Trudeau. So it's talking about his, uh, the allegations, and uh, it says that he, the then 28-year-old Trudeau groped a young reporter at a music festival, noting that he only apologized when he learned afterwards that she worked for a newspaper, right? So it seems as though the allegation is that he groped a woman, but kind of apologized for it after he found out that she worked with the news and he could get in trouble as Trudeau's son, as Trudeau. The article goes on to say, quote, if the allegation is false, Trudeau doesn't really have the option from a political perspective to say so. In the current climate, denying the claim is akin to saying she's lying, which is a taboo phrase for the leader of a government that has made believing women central to its approach to sexual misconduct allegations. If the allegation is true, on the other hand, Trudeau can't simply explain, apologize, or attempt to move on. It would look like he afforded himself leniency and he denied to, uh, sorry, that he'd afforded himself leniency that he'd denied to members of his caucus who were accused of misconduct. So the prime minister is stuck. He can't confirm or deny. As a result, his office has opted for the most unsatisfactory of all responses, nothing. It's, it's a really interesting article because some of the things that we've pointed out about the problem with the whole Me Too movement, and, and even like we had friends and family members who came after us after we posted a video on the Me Too thing, and that's exactly what they said. They said, you can't say that you hope it wasn't true because essentially you're saying you hope that she's lying. So it, the, the, the climate that the liberals have actually created actually has painted Trudeau in a corner here. So we, we don't want to say one way or the other that he has or hasn't done this, but it's interesting the place that it's put him in. Yeah, it's put him, it's put him in a, a bit of a pickle. There's no other way to say this, right? Like <laughs> bit of a pickle. He's a bit of a pickle because he, he, he can't do anything at this point. He basically just has to hope this goes away. And I like... I find it very interesting that somebody who's basically championed this cause, this yeah, movement. Especially here north of the border. I know we have a lot of American <laughs> listeners and it's been Hollywood and it's been all that kind of stuff. And, and Canada's certainly been taking its cues from, from that. But Trudeau has been the upfront champion of this whole thing. Exactly. In Talking Canada. At all of our universities he's talked at. He's talked at, not all of them, but a number of our universities, a number of times publicly spoke about this. And then these things come out and he can't, and he can't either, he makes himself a hypocrite by saying she's lying or he just comes, comes clean and then he's committed and he then has to suffer the same consequences that he's made other people suffer. It's very, it's very interesting. I find it, the thing, the thing that I'm most upset about this allegation, because again, I, I want to be consistent with what I've said about other people. I have no idea if this is true. Right. Um, in one way, I hope it isn't for her, for her sake, because I don't know how traumatizing this experience would have been for her. So I hope it's not true in that sense. But then the other sense, I kind of hope it is true just because it's funny because it's Trudeau. And I want to see somebody who's kind of built their life on a platform like this kind of get knocked down a peg just on right. this on this topic. Not because I, I disagree with the, the topic, but because if, if it's true, he's a massive hypocrite and that, right. and he hasn't come clean when he could have come clean earlier. And that's and, my big problem. And I guess the reality is we know that Trudeau is a massive hypocrite, big right? Time. Like we, we already know that. We know that about everybody is hypocritical. Anybody who claims self-righteousness, there's only one man who is righteous and that's Christ. So everybody who claims righteousness uh, that is their own is a hypocrite. The only righteousness we can ever claim, biblically speaking, uh, well, 
in reality, but the Bible is what tells us is the righteousness of Christ. So he is a hypocrite. We're just look waiting to see if this is the thing that's going to expose his hypocrisy to the world. Yeah. Um, have you have you noticed that nobody like this this should be huge news. Yeah, and that's the other thing that's really agitating. Like I'm glad I found an article on it uh, with CBC, but you'd think something like this would be front page news. I had to do some digging at the CBC website to find this article. And it's written by um, a, a reporter there named Robin Urbach. And uh, and she's not, she's a fine reporter, but she's not like one of their, their headline folk. So it's just, it, it's interesting that it is kind of being buried. It is kind of being ignored because the, the mainstream media in Canada is just as liberal as the mainstream media that we've been seeing in the States. And, uh, and they are full on Trump or Trudeau supporters. And, uh, and so it's interesting that it's not being covered with the same sort of, I mean, there was the, the media covered way more, some of the, uh, I would just say maybe, uh, some of the just faux pas things that Ford said throughout the Doug Ford said throughout the provincial election campaign, he's the conservative guy who won. Um, the media was way more on his back than they are about Justin Trudeau. And he didn't do anything compared to what Trudeau is being, uh, accused, accused of. So yeah, the the hypocrisy is is stinking, and uh, and Trudeau is really painted himself in a corner. Yeah, it's it just it just goes. I know we talked about this a few episodes ago, but it just shows that they're even things that portray themselves as neutral, like the media, like newspapers. There is no neutral, and they right. they are taking sides. Yeah, because some things fit their agenda, and some things don't, and this clearly doesn't fit what they've been writing and and put and pushing for. The last three, four years, right? right. And this and, doesn't fit, so it has to go away. And I guess part of this is Trudeau's their savior, right? <laughs> like Trudeau is like, and and uh, Joe Boots' book, The Mission of God, talks about this a, a, a lot. In the absence of God, the, the government becomes God. And so um, the government becomes the savior that can save us from poverty and from uh, mistreatment and from abuse. And so Trudeau has been looked at as the savior up here for so long. And you can't, you can't see your Messiah fall, right? And that, this is the problem when you put your faith in anybody who's fallible. So that's, uh, that's what's going on up here north of the border. You had one more item for Rebel News that you wanted my opinion on. So yes. what do you got there? The, this, this just blows my mind. This is a, it, it's actually a fairly big deal on Facebook in Canada, that's for sure. Um, let me tell you what it is. So Blues Fest is a big festival we host in our nation's capital, Ottawa. Every year it gets about 300,000 300, or so attendance in terms of it. Um, They've had to delay constructing their new stage, though, the main stage for this event, because a nest of killdeer birds, like a, a bird, not an endangered species, but a protected species of birds, has a nest there with four eggs, and obviously the parents. Um, so they've had to delay. Killdeer birds? Is yeah. that what you, kill, Okay. Killdeer birds. Okay. For some bizarre reason, we named a bird after <laughs> a, a four-legged walking animal. <laughs> Sure. Anyway, these birds have a nest and because it's a protected species, but it's not endangered, they don't want to simply just pick up the nest and move it like you would think is what they would do or just ignore it and move on. So they've, they have hired around the clock security okay. yep, to watch over the nest to make sure nothing happens. And they've, they've employed basically a strategy to move this nest one meter every couple hours out of the rain, out of the way, so that the birds will acclimatize, and then they've they're prepared. If the 
mother and father abandon the nest because, you know, birds are finicky about their environments. If they feel like it's been tampered, they'll abandon. And then they'll take the eggs into incubation. And this is a big, this is a big deal. What I find hilarious about this is that this is happening miles away from an abortion clinic. And this is happening. And there's an uproar about these animals. And I'm all for animal rights. Like I have no problems with, you know, protect animal species and stuff. But it's so, it's so funny. The, the backwards thinking that we care so much about these unborn yeah. eggs yeah. where we are willingly letting our women just slaughter their, their child in the womb. Right. The funny, the funny thing is we're, we're dedicated. We'll, we'll hire security to watch these eggs. Yeah. So at, at great personal loss yeah. and great time spent, we will fight for the unborn killdeer birds. But with much expense and much time given, we will fight for the right for parents to kill their unborn children. Yeah, basically. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And it, you know what? It is true. Like, it's, it's, it's sad how so much of when you look at like just even local news stories and stuff like that how uh you know abused animals and things like that garner way more public outcry way more public rage than uh stories of of like child abuse and and mistreatment of human beings and but this is i mean this is what happens in a, in a world that tells you that there's no purpose to the world, there's no design, there's no God up above who created humans in his image and likeness, then all you're left with is a random world with no purpose, no design. We've evolved from animals, and so how you feel about any particular subject is the, the correct interpretation of it, right? There's no rules. You, you, you make the rules. And so uh, th- this is what we're left with in a world without God. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's funny when you think, when you think about it, uh, who's fronting the bill for this? Like who's paying for the round the clock security? Is this, is I, this a government I, initiative or I, I believe, I believe the festival's paying okay. for this, Hopefully, it's but it's more, fast. it's more of a, like the public out, outcry about these right. birds. If they were to just, you know, do what probably I would do and just pick up the nest and move it. Like, right. and again, not because I hate birds, but because that's the normal thing to do. Um, I, what I find so funny about this is that there's, there's something very interesting about the fact that people naturally hate to see animals die. Like mm. if you watch a movie with somebody and the dog dies, it's the end of the world. Right. But we can watch a bus full of people get just slaughtered on screen and we're like, Oh, it's, it's part of the plan. It's totally fine. Right. Because we're, we're used to seeing, we're used to seeing that. But if the dog dies in a movie, it's the end of the world. Yeah. And I think, I think there's something to that with the fact that because the Bible tells us we all know that there's a God and we all suppress it. I think we, we're so good at suppressing who we are in, in the world, like the fact that we're image bearers right. of God, that Cre- we suppress creatures that. under a creator. Exactly. We yeah. suppress that so much, but we still, we don't spend as much time suppressing nature and we don't spend as much time suppressing animals and the, and the uh, amazing thing yeah, they can do interesting. so that we see that we still see the outrage there when right. we, when we really consistently, if we just want to think consistently. And when I say we, I mean humanity in general, we, we would look at that and be like, okay, four free eggs. Let's just have food. You know what I mean? Like that, but if that's it, that, fire up the skillet, fire it up and let's roll. Because if we're willing to kill ourselves, right. which we do yeah. by not only just by slaughtering the unborn babies, but the way yeah. we live our lives a lot of times. Well, and even you think they're, they're euthanizing children in Belgium now, right? Like, I mean, it's not, we, we talked in, on this program about how in the Netherlands, they've now approved euthanasia for the mentally ill. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we, we can go on and on about yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely. We can. And, uh, and I think it's, it is, it is interesting that, uh, you know, there's, there's such an outrage over, over these animals. 
And I, I guess part of it would just be, you know, that uh, this this world desperately needs to uh, come back to a view that there is a creature creator divide and God created everything and he created everything in a particular order. So, um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. That's all for news. Now we're going to come back and talk to you a little bit about how to engage the culture with the fruit of the spirit, self-control. So we'll see you right after this. The Rebel Alliance podcast is about discipleship, bringing the gospel message about how to interact in a biblical way with your family, friends, coworkers, and your culture. Would you like to be a part of this? Rebel Alliance Media is looking for financial sponsors. A one-time gift, a monthly donation, whatever you like. Contact the Rebels at info at rebelalliancemedia.com. That's info at rebelalliancemedia.com. All right, you're back with the Rebels, and uh, today we are starting a little mini-series talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and uh, specifically what we want to talk about when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit is is why the fruit of the Spirit is so important while engaging the culture. Mm. So uh, we live in a climate, a cultural climate, where actually, let me just start by reading from Galatians 5, and then we'll kind of put it in context here. So uh, it says, uh, starting in verse 18, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law, and now the works of the flesh are evident. So this is the works of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So what Paul is essentially saying is that there is uh, this, this war within us, right, between the work of the Spirit in our lives and the work of the flesh, uh, when we are converted, when we become Christians, we are given a new nature, right? A nature that desires the things of Christ. And we uh, we grow in that newness of nature, that newness of life, uh, by cultivating the fruits of the Spirit and, and putting to death, as, as it says in Romans 7, the deeds of the flesh. So that's what he's talking about here. And, and one of the things that we have noticed as we've taken time to engage the culture, uh, last week we had uh, Jacob on to talk about some of the uh, dangerous teaching of Bruxy Cavey and some some of the feedback that we got from that uh, has been interesting. Uh, there's been rage and outrage <laughs> and, and all those sorts of things. And, uh, and as we look at Christians trying to engage the culture, and you have to remember, this is a, this is a media platform. Uh, we primarily engage on Twitter and on Facebook and, uh, and through other social media. And sometimes there is where you see the, the worst works of the flesh, right? That's, and, and you see Christians who allow the flesh to just kind of take over how they engage in those areas. Mm-hmm. And and I would and I would just say so here's kind of the premise of why we're taking a few weeks to talk about specific. We won't go through all all the fruits of the spirit, but we're going to talk about a few of them in specific. And what I would say is that 
We need the fruit of the Spirit in every area of our lives. It's not just for Sunday morning. It's not just for how you treat the people in your church congregation or how you treat your spouse or how you treat your kids. You need it on all those places as well. But you need it as you're engaged in frontline ministry. You, you need it while you're having gospel conversations with coworkers. You need it while you're speaking against the lies of the world. You need it while you're engaging on social media. All of those things. Yeah. So today specifically, we're going to talk about self-control. And, and the way I would talk about this is that Right now, there is all kinds of division in our culture. There are racial tensions, political tensions, right? There's there's the uh, LGBT movement and agenda that's butting up against the conservative Christian uh, agenda. You have all of these places that are just so entangled and, and so much animosity. And in that, what we're seeing is Christians whose first reaction when something goes down their first reaction is fits of anger. And fits of anger is, is specifically described there by Paul as a deed of the flesh. And he says, people who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Meaning as Christians, we need to war against the fits of anger that we are prone to, even when things ought to outrage us. Notice that in Ephesians, Paul actually says, in your anger, do not sin. Meaning that you are allowed to, to, to feel anger. You're allowed to feel uh, a righteous anger against injustice and against evil. But fits of anger is specifically what Paul warns us against here in Galatians chapter 5. And to counteract that, he says, we need self-control. Yeah, I kind of look at it like you get consumed by the anger. That's right. That's when you've, you've lost control. You're not rational anymore about it. Whereas like you can be angry and completely in control of yourself. Right. And I think that's, I think we see that in Christ. I think when he, when he cleanses the temple both yep. times, I think yep. we see, I see, I think we see a perfect example of that. Obviously Christ yep. is perfect, but I think that's what Paul's telling us to do is like not anger. Isn't the issue. It's how we are when we are angry. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, so the verse that comes to my mind is in Proverbs chapter 25, it's verse 28. And it says a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So the idea here is that if you don't have self-control, you don't have the thing that's guarding your heart, mm. right? The walls are guarding the city, just like self-control guards your heart. And so while you're scrolling through Facebook and you see a friend who posts something that angers you, some Supreme Court ruling, something else that Trudeau did, right? Uh, something else that maybe maybe they have a different political perspective than you. Maybe they're, maybe they're posting a, a Me Too comment, you know, whatever the case may be. And you feel the anger well up inside of you and you respond in that moment. You share something, you, you lash out, you say something. And, and this is what we're seeing. We're watching, so just take something that's kind of still going on in culture right now. Trudeau, uh, or sorry, uh, Donald Trump down south with the immigration stuff at the border, right? And kids and, and the whole DACA thing that was, was uh, pulled back. You know, P Christians are losing their minds over this. Both sides, right? So you have Trump supporting Christians who are saying, oh, Obama did this too. Don't worry about it. Like, it's, it's fine. I, I support Trump. And then you have a whole bunch of you know, I would say more liberally skewed Christians who are saying, this is outrageous. How could any Christian understand or how could any Christian support what Donald Trump is doing? And then you have those two people come against each other in a, in a Facebook post and accuse the other person of not even being a Christian. I, I watched this last yeah, exactly. week. And so we can't allow the anger, the fits of anger over a political issue to well up inside of us in such a way that this is how we engage with one another on Facebook. And even not the one another, 
other, even even how we're uh, engaging and how we're being engaged on Facebook with non Christians. So I, I uh, there's a, a friend of uh, a friend and a listener of the show. His name's Jeremy, and he uh, he works in the Niagara region. And he uh, he went out during Pride Month and was talking with some uh, some of the homosexual people at at the Pride Parade, and uh, and sharing the gospel with them. And he posted on Facebook some footage from that, and you, like you could, you would not believe the amount of backlash that came from that. People saying, "Oh, I can't believe you'd you'd go there and do that," as if you have no sin in your life. All kinds of stuff. And again, the, these are Christians who are calling him out because they disagree with his tactic and how he's cre- how he's engaging the culture. So again. What we're, what we're trying to say is that if we can cultivate some self-control, it will help us engage culture differently. And there, there have been, and I'm not saying every interaction I've ever had on the, fa- on, on, uh, I was about to say the Facebook, on, on the internet has <laughs> on been the, good. On the internet? Yeah. Chris and I kind of have, have a rule here where we will hold each other accountable for how we talk and how we engage in these sorts of things. And there have been plenty of times when I've needed to be corrected. But on the, on the times that I have done this well, it's interesting if you watch the back and forth between me and somebody else who are disagreeing on a topic like abortion or whatever the case may be, and you can watch the other person losing their marbles, like 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 spewing the most ridiculous, asinine things, and watch me respond calmly and thoughtfully. And like I said, this doesn't happen all the time. I'm not trying to be the hero here. All I'm saying is that there, it, there, it's very obvious the fruit that comes from that sort of interaction than those times when I allow their attacks of me or their attacks of, of my God um, anger me to the point where I react in that anger. I, I, I have a fit of anger and I react in a way and that just blows up very, very quickly and it's not fruitful for anybody. And it kills our witness for all the people who are watching on there. So there's, there's definitely a way to do this well and there's a way to not do it well. Yeah, I, I think I think the thing that we we have a tendency to look at self control as as a very individualistic virtue, a very individualistic as a hard word to say when you're sick um, <laughs> characteristic in ourselves, where we think it's all about denying myself, denying you know all these things so that I can be more righteous, and those things are right. Like you are you are meant to control yourself in those in those areas. But I think we forget a lot of times how much self-control displays the gospel to the world around you. Right. And so I think like what you're kind of articulating there is the time the times where we are self-controlled on Facebook or in conversations with people or even the the one that's more practical and that I think happens more often than than you think the way you're discussing a topic with other people, even if it is something like politics or sports or or whatnot, when you're in your workplace discussing that. How self-controlled, how how less likely you are to be like blown aside by the winds, like that verse says in in Proverbs, Um, yeah, in in Ephesians as well. In Proverbs, I I was thinking with the walls down, anything you're kind of prone to whichever way, whoever invades your city, you're going to follow them because they're the ones in. Um, The more you're doing that, the more you're displaying the gospel to people. Because if you think about it, Christ Christ is the perfect example of self-control as well, and. When you, when you think about the crucifixion and the lead up to that, at any point, he could have stopped the whole thing. Right. And us in our sin, we would stop that thing because we would lash out in a way because once we start, somebody starts subjecting us to their will, he denied himself and he was controlled in those areas. And that, that shows the gospel, the fact that he's willing to do that. And I think a lot of times, like you were saying, Nate, when, when we're in a Facebook fight or you're in a, 
a discussion with a group of people who don't necessarily see eye to eye with you, the way you're responding, obviously with gentleness, but self-control to not lash back when somebody starts attacking you directly or starting to say things like, which always happens. And we've all read this. You're stupid. How can you think this way? What a Neanderthal for believing this, this and putting your faith in this book or whatever. When when we don't lash back out at, at those things and we just continue to just control ourselves we can say the right things back but in a controlled manner yeah you you see you you basically see how the walls get broken down of the, of other people's arguments but also how people's character responds to you because the more you're displaying gentleness and self-control when you're discussing it the easier that conversation becomes for you yeah a, a good example of this not to, I hate doing the thing where you make yourself the hero of a story, but yeah, we've both um, done it now. So you might as well join. <laughs> might as well join in. It is our podcast. Anyway, <laughs> uh, just kidding. Um, a good example of this is I was, when I was in uh, school, I had a good friend who was like dispensational and we, one night, a well, good we, friend. No, yeah, he was I'm, just a, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We love you. He was a good guy. Um, and he was a pastor at a church. And so we were kind of going back and forth and somehow the topic of eschatology, I'm fairly outspoken about it. So it came, it came up and this is just one of those times where two people were both going to rationally have a conversation about it going back verse by verse. And what was interesting about that is I didn't change his mind. He didn't change my mind. I hope I planted some seeds that he's thinking about. I, I, I know he did with me and I've since crushed those, but as said, what, um, <laughs> but what was interesting about that conversation is that after that conversation, both of us, like we both kept it completely calm. It was, it was a friendly conversation, but what's interesting is we had about five or six people who listened on to the conversation and each one of them were like, I've never seen even Christians have that civil of a conversation in disagreement. And what was interesting about that is that I don't know who won the argument to their, to their viewership or whatever, but people are watching how we engage. Yeah, that's right. And so the fact that we were able to keep everything civil, keep it calm, but still speaking our truth, still speaking our truth, that's terrible, but speaking the truth, speaking biblically, people watched that and responded and you can see that. So if we play that scenario out in, in culture and in how we deal with people, that wins a lot of, that wins a lot of the fight, so to speak, when we're just being controlled right yeah absolutely i think so going back so you're right and i think that that verse in proverbs 25 a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that self-control is so important is because a city without walls anybody can come into any building and take what they want and this is what you see people without self-control and and i counsel these people in the church all the time Mm -hmm. the people with absolutely no self-control so that anything can throw them off right? If, if the music is too loud on Sunday morning, it throws them off, right? If, if the greeter doesn't greet them, you know, it, before greeting somebody else, if, you know, the coffee isn't hot enough, if, if whatever the case may be, and I'm using silly things on purpose because we all know the people who that sets them off, right? A, a phone call uh, that they weren't expecting, a, uh, somebody cuts them off in traffic, throws them off completely. They lose their mind over it and, and it throws off their day. That's what a person with no self-control is like. Anybody can come in and take what they want from them. You are at the subject of whoever is going to come in because you don't have walls to keep out foreign invaders, right? That's, that's what the whole analogy here is. And so when we cultivate self-control, we don't allow ourselves to be those people who are thrown off because 
And when we talk about engaging the culture, and I know on this platform we do, we talk about controversial subjects, we call out, you know, inconsistencies that we see in, in people's worldviews, we call out false teaching when we see it. So we are dealing with some controversial subject matters. But for some of the people who are just listening to this, I mean, this is everyday stuff. This is recognizing that the way you engage in the world around you is affected by your self-control every single day. I, I, I remember there was a, a guy who is not a Christian, who's a friend of mine and he is a, he works at a car dealership and there's a guy from, from the church I was attending at that time. It's not the church I'm currently at, but the a church that I was uh, attending at that time uh, who he went in and he didn't know that I knew the car salesman, but the car salesman knew that this guy was part of my church. And this guy was uh, basically what happened was he wasn't going to get as much for his trade in as he thought he was going to get. And he lost it and he got really upset and he asked to see the manager and he made this this big, big deal about it. And none of this was known to me until this friend of mine who I invited out to a Christmas Eve service came to the Christmas Eve service, saw that person. And one of the first things they said to me is, I can't believe that guy's a part of your church, right? And we all know those, right? We all know the barista who thinks the same thing about Christianity and church because of the person who loses their mind when their chai tea latte is is late or the lineup is too long, right? So your self-control affects the way you engage with people in your everyday life all the time. So this is an important topic. And even more so than that, as we said, when you do get into these conversations, so we have listeners who work in office buildings, who is just Pride Month. So maybe during Pride Month, they were asked to wear purple. Maybe they were asked to wear a rainbow uh, uh, pin. Now, when you choose not to do that, when you take a stand in your workplace, you will be called a bigot. You will be called names. You will be persecuted for righteousness sake. And when you are, how you respond will help or hinder your articulation of the gospel, your gospel witness at work. And so there's a way for you to do this. There's a way for you to resist the powers that be, if you will, you know, fight the tyranny, so to speak. There's a way for you to do that and be winsome and be lovable and be gentle and be kind and be self-controlled. Or there's a way to do it and be the jerk. And none of us need to be the jerk because the jerk doesn't help our cause. No, the, the jerk doesn't help our cause. Uh, my, my wife works in a in a in, an, in in the public sector, and it's interesting. She's obviously a Christian, um, but she sees people who come in who are Christians all the time, and it's very interesting how her coworkers who aren't who aren't believers think on the interactions they have with the Christians differently than they think on, on they hide. Even them hold them, the Christians to a higher standard because yeah, absolutely. people know that they're supposed to, right? So it's I, my wife's always very conscious about how she treats people and stuff like that. And I, I always think about that. There's those little things like you're saying that you don't know who's watching at any point in time yep. when you're dealing with a banker, when you're dealing with a customer service rep, even when it's completely the other side's fault recognize the little bit of fault that you're in it and you can control what you can control, right? Your attitude, your yep. responses. And I, I think that's very important to know. Um, can I just get practical for a second? Like, yep, um, I, th- I think, I think this is one of those things. I think we have to learn how to do this. I don't think this yep. is easy. I, yep. I, I'm always conscious to be like, this isn't an easy thing. This is a very hard thing for yep. me because I am fit to fight back. I like fighting <laughs> back. Um, so a couple things that I think, will help people do this is right. First thing I have to, I think we have to recognize that self-control is a partnership. This is, this is something that is not always, it's not you white knuckling it. That's going to get this done. Yeah, good point. This is you and the Holy spirit working on this. 
which leads me to my second point on it is this takes practice. And I think um, there's a verse, is it in Corinthians where Paul is saying basically nobody trains, nobody succeeds if they don't train. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. I think it's like 14 something. Um, but it's actually, I could just pull it up. That doesn't matter. Uh, basically saying like no athlete wins a game without training. Right. And the point is, is this self-control, the fruit of the spirit is the same idea. You get better at this, the more you practice it. And we need to be practicing this constantly to do that. Um, another thing I, I think is very important, and I think this is something Christians just aren't bad at, recognize your triggers. Know yeah. what your weaknesses are. So like we're, we're, we're privately okay with okay at this when we're thinking about our, our private sins. Like, you know, some, somebody who struggles with drinking, you know what I mean? Or somebody who struggles with money or who somebody, somebody struggles with pornography or whatnot. We're good at recognizing that and working on those things sometimes, you know what I mean? But we're not very good at this recognizing like our cultural triggers. Like what is it that will set you off when somebody, like you said, cuts you off on a line right? or you get entitlement is one of the big ones for me, right? When you see people who are acting entitled Mm -hmm. and I'm not even, I might not even be involved in the situation at all. And yet I get angry and I don't like the person, right? And I I wish bad things upon them because that's a trigger for me. And so certain attitude traits, right? For some people, it's arrogance, right? When they see arrogance for with, with some people, it might be something else, but you're absolutely right. We all have these triggers, things that set us off and, and send us into, as, as the apostle Paul would say, fits of anger. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what you just have to recognize what those are, right? Like, and you, you've identified one, I'm sure we can all sit down and like, and think about that. That's something we need to be doing though. Yeah. You know I mean, like start figuring out what is it when I, when I feel like I've, I've given into my nature or given in to, you know, my sin, in these flesh, areas, yeah. my flesh in these areas, what call, like what caused that? Obviously nothing like, you know, what, what, what triggered that? What made me think that and combat that? You know what I mean? Cause if I want to be self-controlled, recognizing the things that I need to work on just accepting or, you know, being okay with the greeter, not saying hi to me first, which is not acceptable. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but like those little things, those, those stupid yep. little things I think are, are very helpful. And the, the last one I would say, le- learn to rec- and recover from your setbacks we're going, you're going to fail in this area. Right. Don't go into a whole, I'm not, I'm not self-controlled. I'm a terrible person. Learn from it and fix it. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. I think, I think fruits of the spirit are something that we can cultivate. I think there's a reason these are described as something that is worked on. Yep. So, and I think, uh, I would just, uh, the only thing I would add to that, but it kind of goes into your, your point that this is a partnership between you and the Holy spirit, practice it and pray for it. Mm. Right. Like, like pray for it. Like it is, it is God working in you. And remember that, uh, one of the things that, uh, it says in second Corinthians chapter five, verse 14 is that it's the love of Christ that controls us. And so if we're looking for self-control, it's not, so here's the thing is you are always going to be controlled by something. Mm. Are you being controlled by your anger? Are you being controlled by your lust? Are you being controlled by, you know, which of the, of the works of the flesh are you being controlled by? And so what this is saying is not, not necessarily, uh, to cultivate just self-control. Like you said, this isn't what you white knuckling it. This is the spirit of God working self-control in you, which means because you have the spirit of Christ within you. That it is being, you are being controlled by Christ. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the love of Christ controls us, compels us. So the idea here is that we, the reason we ought to cultivate self-control is because 
is, is, is out of the motivation for love of Christ. The recognition that we want Christ to look good. We want Christ's will to be done. We want to be about his work. And part of doing his work means the cultivation of, of self-control. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, uh, that's uh, hugely important. Absolutely. I think as well, one of the things it, when we talk about kind of engaging the culture, just the recognition that the, again, just because this is a platform that takes place on the internet, this is the last thing I want to say. It is way easier. It is so much easier to ignore self-control on the internet. It's so much easier. And so when we're using the internet, and, and we talk about this on this program all the time, that we, we believe that the internet is the Roman's road of today, right? It, it might have been built with and it might be used for bad purposes, but God is going to use it for his purposes. And it's why we put a podcast out on social media. So we ought to be engaging on the social media platform, but it is way easier there. You're not face-to-face with somebody. You're not seeing the tears that your words are causing. So be even more self-controlled on the internet. And one of the practical ways that I've learned, if something really riles me up that I see, and maybe it is an engaging post, and, and I've had I've had even family members just attack me because of some of the things that I've posted through Rebel Alliance. And there are times when I, I, I'm not going to respond to that right now. I'm going to wait and I'm going to respond to that in the morning. I'm going to sleep on it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm not going to respond right now. We live in this microwave culture where everything has to happen and be finished right then and right there. And people can see that you've seen it and not responded. That's okay. Let it go for a couple hours. Let, get your head screwed on straight before you respond to that thing because um, the, the more uh, self-controlled you are in your response, the better your response is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's, it seems like a very practical thing to just sleep on it. Yeah, absolutely. But if, if, the, if self-control is something that you, you do struggle, that's a, great, that's a great way to look at it. One, because t- time and perspective generally means like when you, when you do respond, you respond not in the heat of the moment, right? Like you, you respond when you've had a time to process out what somebody's saying, thought about it and responding. And hopefully in those situations, you come back with a lot more gentleness and a lot more, pa- a lot more patience. But like, and in terms of what you're saying, in terms of the internet, the internet is probably the main place where I think self-control is kind of a lacking thing because you can, you can always kind of type it and be like, well, that's not what I'm, that's not how I said it. Yep. So I think Christians, and I think, and I would say, I would say I'm, I'm definitely guilty of this. So where it's like of, of writing something that seems re- that's way sharp. And then not rereading it myself and be like, what would that, how does that actually sound if I yeah. read it out loud? Yeah, totally. So just practice these things because people are watching even on the, even on the internet, right? Yeah, for sure. So I just thought uh, just to give our listeners a, uh, some motivation for how important uh, the apostles and the word of God seems to think this issue is. Let me just read a couple of things. So Second uh, Timothy Uh, chapter one says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. First Corinthians chapter nine says, but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Chapter six, uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit is better than those who take an entire city. First uh, Peter four verse seven says the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Titus chapter one, talking about the qualifications for elders, it says, "Be hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined." 
First uh, Peter chapter five says, "Be sober-minded, be watchful, be self-controlled. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion." Uh, Titus chapter two, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives at the present age. First, First Corinthians chapter thirteen: Love is patient, kind, does not envy, is not boast, isn't arrogant or rude, is not. It, uh, it does not insist in its own way, is not irritable, it is not resentful. First Corinthians chapter 9, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do this to receive perishable wreath, but we do it to receive an imperishable one. So uh, this is just a, a small list, and there's plenty, plenty more, but uh, the Bible places a high emphasis on this fruit of the Spirit that we call self-control. And so if we want to be Christians who can engage the culture with a biblical worldview effectively, fruitfully as Christians, then we have to cultivate self-control so that the way that we are engaging, not only the is the their power and the content that we're engaging the culture with, the gospel, but there's also fruitfulness being born out of the way in which we engage, and that is in a self-controlled way that honors Christ. Exactly. Then we don't look like every other group on the internet or on the <laughs> shouting from a platform. We look different when we're doing this, right? Amen. Amen. Alrighty, so um, we're going to do this for a couple more weeks, and we're just going to uh, uh, pick out a couple more uh, of the fruit of the Spirit that we think will help us engage culture with the biblical worldview. Uh, that's what this podcast is all about. So if this is your first uh, visit with us, make sure you like our page. If this isn't your first visit, get on that web web page of ours. Go on to Facebook, Rebel Alliance Podcast, and invite some of your friends to like the page. Invite some of your friends to listen to the podcast. Share it on your thing. Uh, that helps expand our audience, and we are so thankful for all of our fans who do just that so like share engage we love it we love you thanks for joining the rebellion we'll see you next week cheers